Hello and welcome to Let That Shit Grow podcast. This is Brooke and I am your host. Today I am going to talk about trauma. Hello and welcome back to another episode on Let That Shit Grow with Brooke. I am going to talk a little bit about trauma and about the nervous system. I'm still learning a lot about these things. So again, just a reminder, I'm not a professional. This is just my experience. So take it as it is and just know everyone's experience is different from one another and that's okay. This is my experience and what I'm going through and I just wanted to share this with you all. I found a lot of this very enlightening and love sharing these moments of aha with you all. So I've been focusing a lot on my nervous system lately, especially after the experience I had that I spoke about on the last episode that I had the connection with um, Source. And I found that my nervous system is out of whack and it is overloaded and it's got my back up against a wall to where I don't have a choice but to face what it is. And I think I mentioned this in the last episode, the quote I was telling you guys about, about like facing your fears is where the magic is. And I'm realizing as I'm talking in that last episode, like, oh gosh, like I can't push it away because there's something there that I need to recognize and probably heal. And it doesn't matter if I remember what it is or not, like I need to figure out a way to cope and recognize it's not something I have to carry with me anymore. And I think that's the biggest thing I used to think. And again, this could be looked at in a different perspective. And I respect that. I just feel like in the past, I would look at my life as um, a toy, like a broken toy that needed fixed. Or I was like a broken toy that needed to be fixed. And what is wrong with me? Why is this bothering me? And like, how far back can I go to recognize where this started so I can face it, look at it and shut it down and let it know it's not, you know, supposed to stay with me anymore. And I got to release it. And when I was doing these things, I thought I really had to visualize the exact memory, the exact first situation that I can go as far back to. And I am one of those people where I can go relative, I mean, I mean, I feel like I can go pretty far back into my life, into the past of memories. And like some people may say there's no way like you probably have made this up and or it's a memory someone told you and you don't remember and that's how you remember it. Like, you know, maybe again, I respect that. But in my perspective and in my, um, I don't know, in my reality, I guess, I really can go far back into my childhood, as far back as my first memory being probably, it was before my sister was born, and we are literally Irish twins, like we're the same age for four days, I believe, so I would have had to have been like one, I'm assuming she wasn't born yet, so if I had to push it back another year, we'll say I was two, but I feel like even for two years old, that's pretty impressive to have a memory that far back. And it was something so silly where I was sitting in this old booster seat 
you know, I was born in the 90s, so it was like the big, bulky, I remember it had like the, uh, oh, kind of like the geometric triangles and stuff on it, and the thing that went over your lap, it was super chunky and big, and I don't remember there being a back harness, like a back to my seat, my booster seat was just the butt part with the latch that goes over your lap that was super bulky with like all the textiles and text like the uh triangles and that kind of thing on it like I remember what it looked like and everything and I remember I had these socks on that like rolled down and at the bottom of the trim or at the top of the trim of the sock it was like that lace do you guys remember those socks back then that <laughs> our moms probably all made us wear um they were just these white socks with this pretty lace trim and they were rolled down, and I must have, we were going somewhere, it was me, my mom, and my dad, and I was in, obviously, in the back seat, and I feel like we were heading somewhere where I needed to look decent, because I remember it being a big deal that I stayed clean, and, like, I remember I had nice shoes on, and stuff like that, and I remember there was this orange, it was an orange soda. My gosh, how times have changed. I never would have given my kids an orange Fanta or soda at that age, but you know, we live life differently back then. Um, but I remember there being like an orange can soda. I don't know if it was Sunkist or um, Fanta or what it was, but I remember it was orange and I wanted a drink of it. And I asked my parents if I could have a drink and my dad handed it back to me from the driver's seat and was like, you can have a sip, but please don't fall asleep with it and spill it. And I did exactly that. I fell asleep and I remember waking up to the commotion of, oh my gosh, she spilt it all over her shoes and her socks. And my socks were bright orange, wet and sticky. And I remember going into a store to buy new socks. And that's all I remember. I don't remember where we went after that, what we were doing, um, anything of sorts. So like that to me is a pretty funny first memory. Um, but... I would challenge myself. I would go like, how far back can I go? How far back can I go? And I was so obsessed over this. And I don't know why I think I thought if I could go back far enough, I could heal everything, you know, and I could face everything. And that's nearly impossible, right? And I was putting these expectations on myself of like, you can do this, you can, you can go back and face like your traumas and fix it and it'll be okay. And sometimes it wouldn't even be that. Sometimes I would try to just go far back enough to remember memories with people that I loved that are no longer here uh, physically. And I would try to think of back to my first memory with my grandma. Like when was the first time I remember her, like meeting her? Like what is my first memory with my grandma? And then it would turn into like, well, what else can I remember doing with my grandma? And going through all those memories and stuff. So it wasn't always a bad thing. Like I really just enjoyed trying to remember as much as possible about the people I love because uh, I don't ever want to forget it. I really embrace my human experience a lot and I think that's why I'm so attached to it. I'm so attached to this human experience and I'm so attached to my physical form to where, like I said before, like it's getting hard for me to detach even just a little bit. And just the thought of and the fear I have with death and stuff and trying to learn how to embrace that. And I'm realizing that's where my fear is right now and I need to go and face it. And <clears throat> I don't know where it stems from. I think a lot of it comes from 
having kids and not wanting to ever leave them. And I just always want to be here to experience every little thing with them, no matter how bad shit crazy they drive me. I just don't want to miss a thing. And I just can't imagine the day that I do miss something. It makes me sad. And I know I can't think like that, but that's my fear of death. I don't ever want to leave them ever. I want to be here for freaking eternity. Like I love this physical life so much with them, even if I feel like I don't enjoy it in the moment like I should. As I'm speaking about this, my youngest just came upstairs, so you might hear a little boy playing in the background, and that's okay. I used to think I had to make these episodes in peace and quiet, and I get it. Like For the listeners, it can be annoying, but my reality is I'm a stay-at-home mom, and I have little boys running around, and that's how this is going to work for me. And if I'm going to like do this for a joy and for healing and for helping others, I got to do it in the reality I live in, and this is my reality. But going back to what I was saying, I struggle though, as I say this, I struggle with my life so much. Like I struggle with keeping up with it. I struggle with understanding it. I struggle with um, balancing. I struggle with all these human things that we all struggle with. And that's okay. It doesn't mean I don't love my life. It doesn't mean I don't love where I'm at. It's just you know, we're all just here just trying to figure our lives out, right? And that's okay. And so as I've been on this experience, I realized that a lot of my triggers came from and I learned from memories stored in my body and my nervous system was reacting to sounds, situations possibly that had happened in my lifetime at some point possibly that I don't even remember, you know, memories I can't even recall, but something had to have happened to trigger me in some little way. Like, I'm not just reacting out of anger for no reason. Something about this is triggering me. It's stored in my nervous system. My nervous system's flaring up for a reason. And I was getting so pissed off at myself for this. Like, I was getting so frustrated with myself. Like, why am I snapping at people? They didn't do anything wrong. They're just living their life and they did something or said something and it's triggering me and that's not their problem. That's my problem. And I need to really reevaluate myself here because I can't keep going on being triggered, 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 triggered all the freaking time. And so that's when I started, okay, let's go back. Let's, let's heal. Let's go back and find that memory. And then I would get frustrated. Like, I can't find it. I can't find it. And I just kept trying to search for it. And then it dawned on me one day that you don't have to recognize your trauma. You don't have to go searching for trauma. You don't have to go and try to relive it if you don't like naturally remember it and that that's not the point of healing the point of healing is not to go back and searching for the hurt and the trauma and the experience maybe the healing starts just recognizing this is a trigger it doesn't have to be and just being aware of it that's where the healing happens it doesn't happen when you always go back and I didn't realize this and it's just an awareness and I know people are like cool awareness but the word awareness to me is so much like I remember the night I became aware and it has been an experience ever since and I was healing so much before I became aware And that really was my light switch moment. Like, oh, this is awareness. This is being aware. And when you know, you know. 
So that's all I can say about that because you really can't explain um, the moment. I mean, I guess you could explain awareness. Uh, that might just be a whole nother episode and maybe with someone else that can help me go more into that from different perspectives. But I remember my moment of awareness and I remember what that felt like. I remember what it looked like. I remember the situation I was going through that triggered my awareness and it's been a an enlightening thing and I've been trying to embrace it, but it's also been a process of like trying to understand the life I'm in and like the decisions I've made, the relationships I have or had and process of elimination, you know, stuff like that. And it's been a difficult time at times, but those difficult times have also been very enlightening. And I'm finally getting to that place where I'm not looking at this experience as such a daunting one. I have moments, believe me, where I'm like, ugh, like maybe it would have just been easier to be unaware and just back to who I was 10, 15 years ago or even right before my experience with all of this stuff. And I think back to that person and I don't know. I mean, it's, I don't dislike her. I don't dislike who I was, but the life you're living in this moment right now is the experience you want it to be. And I realized that the experience I was having before all of this was kind of robotic. And I do feel like even now as a stay-at-home mom, my life becomes robotic and I resist and it's a trigger. And it's a trigger for a reason. And I'm the type of person who needs to be challenged. I need to be, um, I can't think of the word. What is the word I'm looking for? Um, Yep. I have this problem, if you guys haven't noticed this, with like trying to think of the word I'm thinking of. But basically, I'm just the type of person who has to be challenged. Gosh, that's really going to bother me. I can't think of the stimulant, not stimulated, but enlightened. I don't know. There's a word there. I can't think of it. It's like if I scratch the surface, I could probably figure it out. But who has time to sit here and wait on me to figure out what the word is? But you guys get what I'm saying. And anyway, I found um, this study where I heard of the study that had happened and it kind of was my aha moment to my traumas and my healing. And it's like, oh, that makes sense too. And that maybe me trying to search for the trauma I'm never going to find is for a reason. And this is why. So there was a study done with mice and I don't remember exactly how they did it, but this is kind of the concept it was. So they had these mice and they would have them go through the maze. And once they got to a certain point in the maze or at the end of the maze, they would shock the mice and they would breed that mice and have another generation. They would have the same, the next generation go through the maze and do the exact same thing, have them get to a certain point, the same spot as their mom or their past generation of mice and shock them. And then they would repeat this process with the next breed of mice again and again. And by the fourth generation of mice, those mice would get to that exact same spot and react as if they were being shocked or something was wrong. And there was nothing, they weren't shocking them or anything. They just knew it was wired in their bodies that something was going to happen or something happened and they needed to react. And... This was very enlightening to me because it just all made sense. Like, aha, I get it, a light bulb moment. 
There is trauma that we are carrying that our ancestors went through. So there's no way of going back and knowing exactly what it was. I mean, you can probably get a good idea of what it could have been based off of what is triggering you, but the exact memory and replaying it in your head is almost nearly impossible. And that is where generational trauma comes into play. And it could be as, you know, it could be a situation where just like physical abuse was a thing passed down or just like inhabited. And it could be, you know, drug substance abuse. It could be someone just speaking very loudly to you or in a in a mean voice and that's triggering, you know, because maybe a past ancestor had an abusive parent or an abusive spouse. And so when someone speaks to you like that, it like makes your nervous system react. So if you're following me this far, hopefully you are, you get what I'm saying. So that's where people come in who are what they call generational cycle breakers. And I have felt this very strong, strong, intense feeling since my grandma passed away that there are cycles that I'm breaking that I didn't even realize I was breaking as I was breaking them until I started my healing journey and reflected back on the experiences I've had. And there's so many situations I've been in in my life that I haven't even expressed to my family and friends and some know and some don't that I've been through that my past ancestors have been through and they either overcame those situations or they didn't you know and I was going through very similar situations and I could have let that cycle continue and then passed it and showed it to my kids or I broke it or ended it before even got to the point where I had kids that were going to be exposed to it. And I was realizing like, if I would have stayed in situations and stuff, I would have had kids around those cycles. And thank God I did it. You know, thank God I broke that cycle and left situations and stopped doing certain things to help myself and break cycles to where I was having kids in a place of them not seeing me break them and being exposed to it. And there's still a few things where I'm realizing like, oh, this is triggering me. I feel like this is the cycle I need to be breaking. But one thing I will say about breaking cycles, and again, this is my perspective and I could be wrong. What do you got there? You want macaroni and cheese? It's SpongeBob macaroni and cheese. Okay, let's go make it. I'm gonna pause this, I'll be right back. Kind of going back here. Let's see where was that. But one thing I've noticed with cycle breaking and not even just cycle breaking, but just when you're trying to make a change in your life for the better, even if you are aware that the reason why you're wanting to make this change or the reason why you need a change is for the better and for your happiness and stuff, it is still one of the hardest things you will do because change is hard. Change is not easy. Change is discomfort. And I have lived my life since having kids, I feel like trying to stay comfortable because if I'm comfortable, then that means it's consistent then that means that everything's okay, everything is safe, 
And that is my way of coping and getting through motherhood and parenthood, raising these boys is knowing everything's okay and it's comfortable and play it safe because you don't want to be the one that uh, gives them trauma, which, you know, in all reality, everyone's going to have trauma in their life. There's not one single person living on this earth who doesn't have trauma. Your smallest trauma can come from falling off your bike as a kid and that be traumatizing. Your trauma could be anything and it could be as little or as big, but in the sense of knowing like everyone's got trauma, like we all have it and that's the reality. You can't not have trauma. Like you're going to have some type of experience, I guess. But like my mentality since becoming a mom was thinking, I can't let my kids have trauma. I can't expose them. I can't let them like experience that. And when I realized the reality of this is impossible, (laughs) like your kids are going to experience trauma, whether it be because of you, because of themselves, because of somebody else. Um, And that's okay. And there's no way of preventing that. And I think when we do this as parents, we're doing it out of protectiveness, not of love. But sometimes we're being overprotective and we're sheltering them. And when your kids don't see change and they don't see you try new things, it makes them become a kid who's scared of trying things and is scared of failing and scared of um, putting themselves out there with the unknown of what's going to happen. And I've kind of noticed this with one of my kids and that's what's kind of opened my eyes up to this, I guess, because I I see that in him so much where he's scared to fail and he doesn't want to mess up and he really wants to do his very best all the time. And it took me being a parent to him and having these conversations with me, him and his dad about it's okay to fail. It's okay to try to make a jump shot and it not go through. It's okay to not always get the best grades. And I say this, and I've talked about this in the past before any parents like, what do you mean you allow your kid to get bad grades? Absolutely not. There is a difference here. And this is good for all of us, even as an adult, that your best today is going to be different than your best tomorrow, your best yesterday. Everyone's best every day is different. You're never going to have the same best version of you every single day. There are things that happen in our day that kind of put us in a funk, you know, maybe as soon as you're out of bed, it's just not starting off the way you wanted it to. And that shows up and you have to do your best that day just to get by because that day is just really giving you a hard time. So your best that day is maybe not going to be the same best as it was the day before when you woke up and everything was just working out for you, you know, like you were on cloud nine and your best that day was different. And I explained this to my son to where he could understand the difference between failing and truly failing. Um, If you're sick, let's say you're physically sick, and I think this is how I explained it to him, you're physically sick, and you have a basketball game, and you really want to play that game, you don't want to miss it, you want to show up for your team, so you go and play. You're dragging, but you're giving it all you got. You are trying so hard to show up for your team, to show up for yourself and do your best. And you are, you're doing your best in that moment. 
But that best when you're sick is not going to be the same best when you're healthy. And that's the difference. So maybe you're a little bit weak when you go to make that jump shot or whatever that day because you're sick, whatever it may be. But normally you make it, but it's okay because you tried and you showed up and you did your best that day. And I say this to him for grades because he has all this pressure on him all the time to always make good grades. And I love it about him. I love how ambitious he is. I love how much he loves doing good. And I love that so much about him. But then I see it in him where it becomes a a trigger to him or maybe gives him a little bit of anxiety because he's scared of what if he doesn't get an A or what if he doesn't, you know, win a game or what if he doesn't make a shot? What if he doesn't say the right thing? What if he doesn't make the team? You know what I mean? You get where I'm going with this. And I explained to him too with, with, uh, grades. I remember he came home and he got a C, which is very unlikely for him. Like he normally does pretty good. And he was scared to tell me. And I remember he walked through the door. I could see it on his face immediately. I'm like, what's going on? What happened at school? I thought maybe him and a buddy got into a fight or something silly. And he was like, before you open my folder, I just want you to know I didn't get a good grade today. And so I opened his folder. I was thinking he got an F, you guys. I thought he like bombed a test or something. Like I opened up his folder and he had a C on like a class worksheet. It wasn't even a test or anything like that. And I wanted to laugh, but I realized he was taking it really serious in that moment. And that's another conversation I had with him in a moment where I kind of had to stop and explain to him why it's okay to get that C and why there's a difference between failing and truly failing. And I asked him, I said, when you were sitting in class, when you guys were going over this lecture and stuff, um, were you listening? Yes, I was listening. Okay, well, were you goofing around? Were you like really not 100% zoned in? No, mom, I was actually listening. It's just the way the questions were worded. It kind of confused me and I got mixed up on a couple of them. I'm like, okay, you did your best. You know, there's a difference between sitting in class, listening to a lecture and really trying and getting a C on the worksheet rather than goofing around talking to your friends the whole time and then taking the worksheet, doing it, and getting a C because that would be a fail in a way in my eyes. Like you weren't paying attention. You weren't giving it all you got. You weren't putting all of your focus into it. So the C was deserved based off of the effort you put into it, and it wasn't good effort. It wasn't you trying. But the C you got today on this worksheet was your best because you tried and that's all you can do is your best in that moment because you put in the effort. When you put in effort, that's you trying, that's you showing up and doing your best. It's when you don't put in the effort. That's when that's a true fail because you are not putting in the effort for it. And that is a huge difference. Now, I'm not saying it's okay for them to constantly bring home bad grades, but I'm saying recognize what was happening in the moment. Why did why are they getting bad grades? Like, why is this happening? What was it that was confusing and work with it? Help them understand it. And if they see like, or maybe you're recognizing like, okay, maybe they weren't paying attention. They were goofing around or they talk too much, whatever. You're going to know that there's something else there that you need to focus on. But whenever your kid and even you as an individual, when you do your best and you go to work and you're boss has these expectations of you and you are running around like a crazy person trying to meet your boss's expectations, but it still is never enough for that person. 
It's okay because you showed up and did your best. It wasn't like you went to work, sat in your office chair, and did diddly squat. You get what I'm saying? There's just a difference there, in my opinion, with failing an effort. So I feel like with change and stuff, it's hard, it's difficult, but when I was seeing that I was staying in this comfort zone and not wanting to change and take risks. I was seeing it in my son where he was scared to make changes. He was scared to take risks. And I was realizing that I wasn't putting in any effort in myself to make change and do these different things. And if maybe I were to, maybe that would show him it's okay to take risks. It's okay to change things. And if it doesn't work out, it's okay because all you did was your best and it doesn't mean you failed. And I was so scared of failing. I still get scared of failing. Like, what if I try this and it doesn't work out and it fails and I look like an idiot? Well, who cares? Because you wanted to do it and you showed up and you you gave it all you got. You did your best and that's all that matters. And I think it was like shortly after that is when I started going to women's circles and really started diving deep on who I was because as we all know, as you get older, you kind of get lost in repetitiveness. You get lost in following in line and staying behind the person in front of you and doing what you need to do in this world to survive. And then you have these kids that are constantly looking up to you and watching you and you don't want to step out of line because you don't want them to um, see failure or anything like that. But I realized I was really suppressing too much of myself because I was seeing it in him. I was seeing it in people that were around me on a day-to-day basis, not challenging themselves and not trying new things and stuff. And this has opened up my reality to so many things. And I was doing laundry one day and I just kept, I had been getting like I will call it like a download or whatever constantly in my head of hearing like you need to start a podcast you need to talk about this people can relate to this people need to hear this and I kept blowing it off blowing it off because I was scared of failure I was scared of putting trauma on my kids for exposing myself in any way and then it dawned on me like you need to do this for you you need to show your kids that you're not just a robotic person, that you have fun, you have hobbies, you have a personality, and that, you know, you don't have to be this cookie cutter person. It's okay to think a little outside the box, and it's okay for them to see that you think differently than others. And I was so scared of that. I was scared of my kids and my family thinking, like, seeing me think differently and becoming my who I truly was deep down and finding my authentic self in this process. And the podcast just kept coming through to me. And I finally thought, okay, like I'm going to do this. And I realized that some of my trauma was based off of, I feel like a trigger for me was my speaking my truth. And it was shut down a lot and not just by certain individuals. It was just even for myself. I wouldn't even allow myself speak my truth. And when you have a podcast and you're basing your opinion off on all these things, you are speaking your truth because it's your reality. It's your perspective. It's your experience. And I was scared of judgment. I was scared of failure. I was scared of change. I was scared of exposure. I was scared of all these things. And to me, it was like a trauma response to things that I had been through and maybe what my ancestors have been through. 
And thinking back to some of their stories that I've heard, it's like, you know, I don't think they ever would have had the chance to speak their truth. And I do, like, I have that opportunity and I'm going to do it. And it could be just something as simple as that, you know, just speaking your truth. And the more I talk on the podcast to you guys and the more I meet new people, it is healing so much of me and it's showing my kids hopefully that you can step out of line and it doesn't mean you're in the wrong line it just means you're in your own line and that's okay and I hope that this all makes sense for you guys because I know I kind of went a little bit everywhere I do that I kind of do that a lot. (laughs) I'm sorry, but I kind of just ramble off of what's coming through to me as I'm speaking. And that's what was coming through to me. And I really hope that this finds the right people. And I really hope this is making a difference. And just know it doesn't matter how big or how little your trauma is. Trauma is still trauma. And um, just to end this with a analogy I spoke about on my Instagram, I'm going to talk about it again. So sorry if you've heard it. Um, But I was listening to a Mel Robbins episode and she was talking about your nervous system and how she explained it really just made sense. And she said, picture your house as you. You are your house or your apartment, wherever you live. That's you. That structure is you. And then all the wires running through the house, turning on everything is your nervous system. And when the beep goes off and the fire alarm, when the battery's getting low, it's letting you know, like, hey, hey, uh, uh, this needs change, this needs replaced, this needs fixed, just like a little beep, hey, I'm here, like, focus on this for a second real quick. That's your nervous system. Now, let's say you blow a fuse in your house and everything goes out. That's your nervous system saying, we are overloaded, there's way too much going on here, and that's where you start to see and find diseases and illnesses and such. And that's when you have to go and rewire it and fix it, right? So think of it like that. And I think when you do this, you're going to understand it a little bit better with the nervous system and understanding that your nervous system does so much. It turns everything on. It turns like when it shuts off, it lets you know. When it's on, it lets you know. When it is triggered, it lets you know. It's like a storage room of trauma in a way as well. In my opinion, I feel like it's like um, a reminder that goes off when you have a trigger. Like, hey, you're you're being you're this triggers you. This triggers you, and that is your nervous system, and it stores all of that. And it's up to us to decide if we're going to keep it stored and allow it to, you know, make us sick and do negative things to us mentally and physically. And that's why it's important to not always feel like you have to go back searching for the trauma and trying to remember the exact thing. If you can, great, face it, deal with it and let it go. But if you can't, that's okay too. And just recognizing that it's a trigger is the first step. And then working on it not being a trigger every time it gets easier and easier and easier. And you're going to realize eventually you're not going to be triggered by certain things anymore because you worked on it and you were recognizing it and you were aware of it. So I hope I hope this helps you guys and um, hopefully I can go a little bit more on awareness with you all because I think awareness deserves a special episode uh, for itself. So anyway, that's it for today. Thank you guys like always for supporting me and jumping on these episodes. I would appreciate you guys if you could like or subscribe to 
my um, podcast um, thing on Spotify and follow it. I appreciate all the support I can get if it feels aligned. And sometimes I do polls. So if you are ever hopping on an episode and you see a poll and you feel aligned, I would always appreciate you voting on those things as well. So thank you guys. Have a beautiful day.